Good morning, Harbour City. Um, like Grant said, we're matching, and yet neither of us made the decision to change. So it's really shameful. Um, as always, it's a terrifying privilege um, to speak to you this morning. And yesterday, Grant and I did a bit of training. Um, me practicing my preach with him, just constantly looking at the time and watching sport on his phone to prepare me for preaching to a crowd that are desperately wanting to leave and watch the World Cup. Um, but I will keep it as short as I can, I promise. Um, so firstly, I'm not sure how you feel about gifts. I really love gifts. Um, my husband has on many occasions called me a gift piggy. Um, it's not necessarily materialistic, I hope, but um, for example, if Grant goes uh, grocery shopping and he brings me back a little treat, it makes me so stoked. It has taken him years to figure out that um, him saying, what exact treats would you like from the shops is not the same as him surprising me with something, but he's learning. <laughs> um, he's actually a words guy, so I'm learning to use my words and... Um, that actually to use my words to encourage him is more appreciated than me buying him a little chocolate from the shops, which is crazy to me, but um, anyway. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I enjoy gifts. I enjoy buying people gifts, especially if I feel like I've bought them something that they would really love. Sometimes I can put pressure on myself. I'm like, God, give me the perfect gift for this person. But I love the challenge of figuring that out. So I was thinking about this gifted series and I was thinking about probably um, one of my most awkward gifting experiences. Grant and I had just joined the um, eldership team at Red Point Church, the church that we planted out of, and they had their end-of-year dinner. So we went to this dinner, we were invited, and we sat, we had dinner together, we had a great night. And then at the end of the evening... Everyone got up, and I was mortified to see, started bringing piles of presents out from somewhere, and started, like, walking around and handing out gifts to each other, and Grant and I just looked at each other like, oh, no, like, stomach sinking. We just sat in our chairs and just, like, received this pile of gifts, and we're just like, thank you so much, and somehow, out of a group of 12 people, no one had mentioned to us that this was the yearly tradition, that everyone bought each other gifts. So we just sat there um, feeling kind of embarrassed and humbled as everyone gave each other gifts. And I think the reason I thought of that story is because, honestly, I find talking about my own gifting on a par of the awkwardness of that night. Um, maybe it's my Britishness. We're more self-effacing than self-boasting. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about earning the unique and good gifts that God has given you, but it is something that makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, thank goodness over the years I've done some personality tests, which um, for me feel better. It's like a computer-generated quiz that has told me things that I'm good at. So if I explain those to people, then I don't feel like I'm bragging, um, which has been really helpful for me. But I think the funny thing is, whether we're comfortable with these gifts or not, um, God has, in fact, gifted each one of us with unique, thoughtful, and carefully selected gifts. And because of um, God's kindness, we're all actually like Grant and I at that dinner, all just sitting receiving these gifts without doing anything to earn them or pay people back. 
It is so beautiful, but it can be really hard to receive at times. Um, However, we'll see from the portion of scripture I'm teaching off of today, your gifts and mine are actually not just for our own enjoyment. They really are for the benefit of the church and for the people around us. So I challenge us, you and I, if you're anything like me, to dig into this topic, to push through the awkwardness, and earnestly to seek to discover the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of all. So to get into today's message, um, the passage I'm speaking from is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 31. Uh, It's a pretty lengthy portion of scripture, so I'm not going to subject you to my weird accent and read it all through for you, but I will just kind of read, um, read it as I go. So from verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. I think when I read um, that verse the other day, something really struck me. In verse 13, it does speak about us being one body. Um, But then Paul goes on to mention two divisions that exist in this particular community. He says there's Jews and Greeks, but there's also slaves and free men and women. And these were just two prominent ways that society defined and separated people at that time, race and socioeconomic status. And I just thought, how true is that for us even today in 2019 South Africa? And I think by Paul actually mentioning these divisions or these differences, we're exposed to just the miraculous and beautiful truth about the gospel, that um, as a church, radical social divisions are lost when we accept Jesus and are of one spirit as a church. Christ actually completely eradicates those boundaries that society is constantly putting between us. So we can come together as one body. This does become our primary identity. There's no room for classism and racism in the church. And when it comes to our gifts as the church, God doesn't give with bias. Um, If you feel marginalized or unimportant in society, I want you to know that you are vital in the church and your gifts and the gifts that you bring. C.S. Lewis says, For the church is not a human society of people united by their natural affinities, but the body of Christ, in which all members, however different, and he rejoices in the differences and by no means wishes to iron them out, must share the common life, complementing and helping one another precisely by their differences. And I think despite this beautiful truth um, that divisions and biases and barriers are broken down of who we are and where we come from, it also doesn't mean that God wants uniformity in the church. Becoming part of the body doesn't mean we all need to dress the same, be the same, um, look the same, or do the same sort of things. In verse 17 to 19, it says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a singular 
single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I think like we see from these verses, there is such strength in diversity and weakness in uniformity. And I don't know if you've seen that in your own life. I just thought of two examples from mine. The first one was a few years ago, I was at a conference, and um, a bunch of us were kind of chatting and hanging out, and um, two of the people in the group were Andy Rogers and Grant, who are both extroverted, loud, animated people. Um, the three of us, uh, the other three of us were, you know, kind of quieter, more introverted. And we're all just hanging out, cracking jokes, laughing, like having a great time. And then something awful happened. Andy and Grant left the conversation. And then the three of us were left. And in my defense, I had laryngitis at the time and could not actually speak. So we were pretty doomed from the beginning. But um, three introverted people were left in the void of this high energy two who had left us. And we kind of struggled through the conversation for a minute or so awkwardly. And then it was just like the three of us just, we kind of recognized the moment and we all just quietly walked away in separate directions. No one even tried to like break the moment, like I've got to go to the loo or anything. It was just like, we just knew where we were at. And um, we laughed so much about it afterwards and just the awkwardness of three introverts trying their best to hang out, but just recognizing their social limitations. And uh, like we've said through this series, God really does use our personalities as well as our, pers- as well as our spiritual gifts, our abilities and our experiences to bring diversity to the church. So extroverts, we need you, but you also need us. We laugh at your jokes most of the time and keep you entertained. Uh, the second example I thought of actually this morning And I was at an Enneagram workshop. I'm not that into it, just someone invited me and I went. So the Enneagram is another personality test. um, And we were asked at the end of one of the sessions at the workshop to break into our group. So the Enneagram is based on nine personality types, if you don't know. And so we were asked to kind of like break into our personality types for some discussion time. And it honestly was like a joke of a cliche because I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which is peacemaker. One of my greatest flaws is that I'm so indecisive. I really struggle to make decisions. So now there are a group of people like me trying to decide where we should sit, where we should take our chairs to have our discussion. It took us like five minutes and um, part of being a nine and a peacemaker is like you're never wanting to impose on another person or make them feel uncomfortable. So it's like, should we sit there? But I don't mind. We can sit there if you would like. No, it's okay. And it was just like it went on. I think most people onto their second point by the time we like actually went and sat down. And I was telling a friend who had also come to the workshop and she's a two on the Enneagram, which is a helper. So the helpers, they just love to serve. And she said, well, our group, everyone just kept on trying to get chairs for one another. They ended up, there were five of them with like 20 chairs because everyone's trying to help each other. Someone spilled a drink, like te- all of them were there trying to mop it up. And we just laughed at just how cliche the whole situation was. And I think both of these stories just illustrate we need the diversity of gifts in the body. It does make us stronger as a church. And um, I think as I was preparing for today, I also thought 
about how God in his very nature celebrates diversity. If you think about creation, um, just how much easier it would have been if God had just covered the whole earth in like green grass and a few plants, but he doesn't choose to do that. He chooses to make this incredible earth that's so layered and varied and different um, from rainforests to deserts to mountains and valleys. And I just thought, how amazing is it that we'll probably spend our whole lives just being so in awe of the earth that we're on? And I also thought of his 12 disciples. Um, they were such an odd bud group of men. I don't know if you've thought about that before. Some of them were literal enemies. I've got Matthew, uh, who was a tax collector and actually had betrayed his people for many um, sorry, yeah, um, and sided with their oppressors, the Romans. Whereas Simon, on the other hand, um, was Matthew's political adversary who believed the Roman government needed to be violently overthrown. Then you had Doubting Thomas. You doubt once in the Bible, that's your name for life. Um, You can imagine he was probably a bit uncertain, anxious, and then thrown in with kind of a boisterous, in-your-face Peter And you can just imagine, like, the angst at their dinner table as they discuss politics and life. And I think when we look at that, we just think, surely it would have been easier for Jesus to pick 12 guys who are like-minded to spend time with and teach. Surely that would have been more effective and more manageable. But he didn't because diversity is God's own design. Jesus knew that the world needed a diverse group of men and women to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, the great thing about the illustration of the body in 1 Corinthians is it shows us the diversity of the gifts in the church and that they should be celebrated, yes, but it also shows us that they are vital. Our living bodies are made up of so many different components, um, the seen and the unseen, And they're really, they all have purpose and they're needed for our health. And our bodies are really funny things. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but like your big toe is vital for your balance and um, your eyebrows and your eyelashes stop dust getting in your eyes. And there are so many examples of parts of the body um, that seem insignificant but actually play significant roles. I was trying to think of more examples Then I started feeling self-conscious about the amount of doctors in the church and how I could just like medically get things terribly wrong. But you catch what I'm saying. And and so it is with the church. Um, The diversity of gifts is essential for the health of this church. Whether your gift is seen publicly or not, it is a gift that we desperately need as a community. Sam Albrecht, a British pastor and author in his book, Why Bother with Church says, The membership of every local church is no accident. It is by divine design. There is no one there who is a spare part, a third foot, a second nose. There is no one there who is not necessary or who doesn't need the rest of the church. That's so cool. And I think um, this unity but diversity in the church also calls us to something else as believers of Jesus. It calls us to love, to care, to empathize, and to appreciate one another. Verse 25 continues, There may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. 
If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And I love this. As a body, we are reliant on one another, yes. Um, But also as brothers and sisters, we should be concerned and together in the highs and lows of life. Uh, Sam Albury again says, we're a body. We belong to one another. What happens to part of us, therefore, affects all. If some struggle, it hurts us all. We're invested in one another, and therefore, I need to know what the Christian life is like for you in your situation, and you need to know what it's like for me in mine. And that takes time and intentionality and grace. I was thinking another medical example, God help us all, but um, I was thinking about a hangnail. I don't know if you've had that before. It's a weird name, but apparently that is what it's called. Um, It's like when a little piece of skin peels away from your nail. Um, I think it's part of your cuticle. I'm not sure if you've had it, but it's so incredibly painful. And um, it's funny because it's such a tiny little thing, but it can cause so much pain. But it's the same with the church. Um, Even when seemingly small parts of us struggle, we all feel it. Um, We don't succeed autonomously from one another. There's no you do you in the body of Christ. Um, You may think your gifts are small, insignificant, and not missed, but I assure you they are. And I was thinking earlier this year, I was struggling with a, a bunch of health issues, nothing serious, but just like one thing after another, and I like caught every bug, and I was on tons of antibiotics, and my immune system was just feeling shot. And um, I remember mentioning this to Yasmin Allen, a member of our church. Wilson, oh, good point, yeah. Um, and a few days later, I was sitting at work, and I got this Woolworths delivery, and I was like, what is this? Um, and she'd sent me a whole bunch of like healthy food and immune-boosting foods and it was just so incredible I like I literally cried at my desk I just felt so loved by her and by God in that moment um and yes has an incredible gift of intentional generosity and friendship and she really struggled sorry strengthened me when I was struggling and something I've also loved to see in this community over the last while is just the mutual joy and excitement for our new members Um, the new babies that have joined us in the last few months. And I just think it's so cool that the whole community has been able to celebrate in those huge moments in each other's lives, those good things. And we had our deacons meeting earlier this week, and it was their first time coming. So Isabella Green and Olivia Pierce came. And it was just so funny, like the decibels of people's voices just rising, like, oh, my God. Like, everyone was just so stoked, all using our baby voices. Um, But it just brought such joy to all of us. Um, Now, I know as I talk about this perfect functioning body, it may seem idealistic. And yes, in a sense it is. I think when the body is working in unity, when we're looking out for each other, when everyone's fulfilling their roles perfectly, it's a really beautiful thing. But I think we all know when the body fails, when it gets sick, um, it can be a really toxic thing. And we know that the church body is often viewed as judgmental, hypocritical, and irrelevant. And too often one person's gift is actually elevated above every other. And I know some of you have been hurt by that in the past. 
I was just thinking that is actually why we desperately need the Spirit to empower us. Um, we need the Spirit to empower us to do the impossible things in us first, and um, that we simply can't just will ourselves to do, to be better people. Um, we need the Spirit to change our hearts from looking at people and their gifts in a hierarchical fashion. Um, we need the Spirit to help us from putting ourselves first before others um, and actually for being graceless with one another in our weaker moments. And without the Spirit of God, this thing, this picture of the body is impossible. Um, so I just wanted to ask us, are we open to the Spirit's correction in our life? Because when we really are the body of Christ, it's a powerful thing. Um, the Bible speaks about Jesus being the head of the body of the church, and he actually speaks about us being the hands and the feet in Durban. Um, he chooses to use us in our imperfection to do this really important role, and our job really is to show who he is and the salvation and the redemption he has brought to our lives and to the city around us, so um, Durban as well can experience that goodness. And I think reality is one of the other pitfalls we could come into with doing a series on gifting is to focus more on the gifts than the giver. And I just thought reality is these gifts are so sweet for us personally and us for a community. Um, but we really were given the greatest gift when Christ died for us. It's a gift that cost him everything and it cost us nothing. It's a gift that um, enables us to live whole, redeemed, fulfilled lives, no longer separated from God, no longer weighed down by our sin, our shame, our bad decisions. And I just thought Jesus is not actually just our means of experiencing gifts. He is the ultimate gift. And actually, when we use our gifts, it should be in response to what he's already done for us, should be in response to our adoption into his family, um, a response to the complete forgiveness we have received in him. Verses 27 to 31 concludes the chapter. Verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. As Brendan mentioned last week, a strange thing was happening in the Corinthian church at the time. Somehow the gift of speaking in tongues had become elevated above every other gift. So what Paul intentionally does there is he puts it at the end of the list just to show that, in fact, it's not the greatest of gifts, but it's just one of many. And I, as I read that, and maybe as I read it to you this morning, you were surprised by one of the gifts on the list, which is administration. And um, maybe you have that gift and you're like, oh, that's not the sexy, glamorous um, gift. That's kind of the boring one. And I just want to say, as someone who does not have that gift, it's an amazing gift. You are a gift to us. Thank you. And I love that Paul added it here. And I just want to say, if you feel like you've got um, a gift that's boring because it's practical, please don't. We really need practical operational gifts in order for the body to function well. Verse 29 goes on. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. 
And of course, these are rhetorical questions, and the answer is no, of course. We don't all do these things. We don't all play these roles. But I think those questions should have us asking ourselves, which roles are we playing? How do we personally strengthen the church? What gifts has God uniquely given us? And, and are we using them to build up the body of the church? I think one of the things that we're called to do is actually to um, encourage the gifts that we see in each other. Um, let people know how their gift has impacted you, impacted Harbour City, and give them courage to continue. I remember um, a few years ago, someone saying to me, oh, you're creative. And I was like, no, I'm not. I can't draw. Like, that's crazy. And I remember being genuinely shocked. And then since then, I have seen that God has given me maybe like a unique creativity. And even just saying that feels hard this morning. I told you I'm not good at this. But um, it's given me confidence to use that gift more. So let's do that with one another. I think we all need that courage and that confidence. And I think one of the things the enemy loves to tell us is we're not enough. We're not as gifted as so-and-so. Um, and who do we even think we are for trying to use our gifts? And honestly, if I can say vulnerably, even in preparing for this preach, I was in emotional turmoil at times with Grant. Like, why am I doing this? Why have you made me do this? Why is someone else not preaching? Um, I feel so uncomfortable in this space, but... I'm really hoping and trusting that God will use my preach despite its flaws and imperfections to encourage the body this morning. Because the beauty of the gospel is Jesus chooses to use us despite our reluctance um, and our self-doubt. And he's not a God who is waiting for us to be perfect before he uses us and before we can be used. Um, but he is the ultimate perfected gift in our place. So Harbour City, as I close this morning, I just wanted to ask us a question. What role has God designed you to play in this body and this city? If I can maybe just ask the band to come up before I pray. And can everyone stand? Thank you. Uh, as I was praying this morning, I just felt um, maybe during this last song of worship, uh, we could just spend some time. And I thought maybe there's some people here and we've gone through the cold series, we've gone through the gifted series, and you really just still don't feel like you know what God has gifted you to do. And I'd really just love to ask you to just pray and um, try and hear God's voice during this last song and ask him what gifts he has given you. And even to be courageous and brave, and maybe this week, in your life groups and um, ask friends what do you think God has gifted me with and then um, secondly for those of you who know what your gifts are um, can we just pray together uh, that God would reveal exactly how he would like you to use your gift to strengthen the body of Harbour City this morning so I'll just pray for those things Jesus I thank you for this community of people I thank you for the diversity. I thank you that you are a God who um, doesn't give gifts sparingly, but you lavish your gifts upon us and upon the church, God. And we really do pray that you would use us and you would use what is put inside of us 
to build up the church, Jesus, to build up those around us. Father, we know these gifts aren't for our own um, glory, but they're for yours. And Jesus, I really pray for those who actually, they, they still haven't experienced the best gift we could be given, which is you. Um, the forgiveness of sins, um, just your incredible goodness and grace to us. And I pray even now that people would experience that for the first time. Thank you that that gift is completely free, Jesus. And I pray for those who still feel uncertain, who lack confidence that you have actually gifted them with anything. And Jesus, I pray even now, um, would you speak to them and reveal what you've called them to do and the gifts that you've given them. And I pray you would put people in their lives who could just call out and encourage them this week, Jesus. And God, I pray for all of us that you would show us um, how you want to use us to strengthen Harbor City, how you want to use us to impact our city, to show them your love for Durban, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen.